If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. I'm Erin Sadler from Sadler Science. And I'm Nicole Van Tassel with iExplore Science. We're here to cut through the confusion to help science teachers like you make science relevant and engaging with student-driven instruction. We know that when students take ownership of their learning, teaching can be simple and fun. Thanks for being here and let's dive into the episode. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner. Hello, everyone. I am so excited that today I'm going to be answering a listener question from Hannah Schmidt in San Mateo, California. Hannah is a first grade teacher and she has some questions about the NGSS. I will let her tell you. Hi, I'm a first grade teacher in San Mateo, California. I know your focus is on science education in the secondary space, but I'm curious what your advice is for those of us laying the foundation for your future students. If you had to pick a few main teaching shifts or elements of the NGSS for elementary teachers to emphasize more, what would they be? Thanks. I love this question so much because it really hits on some of the foundational pieces that we talk about over and over again. And I think that one of the problems with this podcast in this format is that we talk about a lot of these instructional shifts, but we don't often talk about prioritizing those instructional shifts. So Even if you aren't an elementary teacher, I suggest that you listen to this episode because one of the great things about the NGSS is that it's the same from kindergarten through 12th grade. So the things that I'm going to be telling Hannah are the same that I would tell you if you are a middle or high school teacher as well. I also want to take a minute to apologize to Hannah. Hannah submitted this question way back in June, and our intention was to record a response right away. But we noticed that more teachers were having difficulty at the beginning of the school year than we expected. I think we were expecting that 
all of the COVID stress would be over. And as we've learned, it's not. So we really shifted our focus. So Hannah, I apologize and thank you for being so patient and waiting for our response. Also, I haven't really talked about it a lot on the podcast, but I've made some changes, some career changes recently. Um, as some of you know, I'm no longer in the classroom. I'm working full-time as an instructional coach for the same school district that I worked for previously, just in a different capacity. And one of the things that I really like about my new job is it allows me to work in elementary school classrooms. So this actually is great timing because my response may have been a little bit different if I recorded this back in June. Now that I've spent a lot of time in elementary school classrooms, I think that my response is going to be a little bit different. So I have created this list of changes that I would make in an elementary school classroom in order of priority. So what I would suggest if you're listening to this episode is to figure out kind of where you are on this continuum and feel free to pause this episode and come back later because it can be really overwhelming to think about all of the changes that need to be made when the reality is that you only need to make them one at a time. And any of the shifts that you make in your classroom will have a profound effect on how students learn science. I came up with a list of five things that elementary teachers need to know about the NGSS. The first big one is that the content isn't everything. So the way that we traditionally teach science is that there's a heavy focus on content knowledge. Students memorize all of these facts and we call it good. But this leads students to lack a foundational understanding of the nature of science. And while students can tell us all of these things, they can't really do science. They have an inability to discover science information on their own. And this has led to a lot of the problems that we see, like, you know, for example, people not understanding that science discoveries change over time as we got get more information. Um, so the NGSS really works to rectify that. And I've used this example before, but when my daughter was in early elementary school, she came home with a layers of the earth diagram. Now, I don't remember exactly how old my daughter is, but I know that she was too little to even really grasp this idea that the, the world is round. And this diagram kind of like showed multiple layers of the earth. And she was able to tell me what each of those layers were. Like she could recite the names of them, but she has had no idea what it meant. This is an example of the way our old standards kind of push students to, to learn things that weren't developmentally appropriate for them. So there's two major ways that the NGSS has been written in a way that accounts for this. So first of all, it really focuses on things that are developmentally appropriate in the disciplinary core ideas. And second of all, it uses a three-dimensional approach. Those three dimensions are the science and engineering practices, which are the things that students do in order to discover content knowledge, the disciplinary core ideas, and those are like the things that students need to know, and the cross-cutting cross concepts, which help students connect ideas across science. Ideally, you are using a three-dimensional approach in your classroom. However, if you're making this shift, it can be very overwhelming to go from just focusing on something like the disciplinary core ideas, this content knowledge, to using a three-dimensional approach. 
So a lot of people would suggest that you start using the science and engineering practices first. However, I feel like this is kind of a difficult hurdle to overcome. So I suggest starting with the cross-cutting concepts. The cross-cutting concepts have multiple benefits. So they help students develop a deeper understanding of content knowledge. They're far less complex than the science and engineering practices. The science and engineering practices have several subcomponents, but the cross-cutting concepts have just a few. And finally, the cross-cutting concepts are really easy to implement. You can just grab a copy of the NSTA matrix for the cross-cutting concepts, and you can just look at those pieces and use it to make an exit ticket or a graphic organizer or questions that you can ask your students during class. I would highly suggest just starting to look at these pieces and adding them a little bit at a time to your classroom. Okay, shift number two. I want you to stop front-loading vocabulary. In a traditional classroom setting, it's common to front-load vocabulary because we've been taught that this strategy supports English language learners, students with different learning needs, and more. However, this isn't the best practice for science education. Why is that? Front-loading works best when students are already familiar with concepts. But in science, we expose students to ideas that are entirely new. So we need to provide them with some kind of an experience first and then allow them to tell us what they're experiencing and give them the vocabulary to support that. Nicole does a really great job of talking about this way back in episode 19. It's one of my favorite episodes and I refer back to it super often because I think it's so helpful in explaining that shift in your classroom. The third thing that you need to know is that there are already connections to the Common Core State Standards. One of the most common questions I get from elementary teachers is how do I make time for science content? Fortunately, all of the performance expectations for the NGSS are already linked to Common Core Standards. So if you pull up a copy of your standards and you scroll down to the bottom of each page, there's information about the Common Core State Standards that connect. So let me give you an example. Performance Expectation 5LS1-1 asks that students support an argument that plants get the materials they need for growth chiefly from air and water. Here are the ELA standards that you can connect to. All of these um, require that students are getting information from a text, which is not required for the standard, but you could totally do that. So there's RI 5.1, and I'm sorry if I'm not saying that right, because as you know, I'm not an ELA or math teacher, but this one says to quote accurately from a text when explaining what text says explicitly and when drawing inferences from the text. There's RI 5.9, integrate information from several texts on the same topic in order to write or speak about the subject knowledgeably. And W 5.1, Write opinion pieces on topics or texts supporting a point of view with reasons and information. So all I did was look at the bottom of those standards and just saw those connections. It's easy peasy for somebody like me who doesn't know anything about <laughs> math or ELA. Now, if I ruled the world, I would start with science. And um, the reason I would do that is because science provides context for your math and ELA standards. 
But I know that that's really overwhelming for people who are new to science education. So that can be something that you start doing later down the line to make more time for science content. If you adopt a really good curriculum, they include those ELA and math standards so that you don't have to do that guesswork on your own. If you haven't adopted yet, that might be something that you want to look at or that you want to look for. Okay, number four, the science and engineering practices explain what students do. So this is one of the biggest mistakes that I see all teachers make when they start using the science and engineering practices. It's not exclusive to elementary school teachers. But for example, when teachers start using the practice of modeling, teachers kind of create a model and then students copy it. And I've seen this over and over again in countless classrooms. But in an NGSS classroom, students are really doing the heavy lifting. So students are responsible for developing and using their own models. This is the biggest shift that comes with NGSS, and it's difficult to make this change in your classroom. So what I suggest that you do is pull up the NSTA matrix for science and engineering practices and focus on one bullet or subcomponent of the practice at a time. So for example, upper elementary students are expected to identify limitations of a model. So you can introduce the concept of modeling by showing them a model and then have them explain how the model is unlike the real world. So one of the most common ways that models are not like the real world is that if it's, it's, if it's a physical model, they're much smaller. So that also means that they don't have as many details. And so some things get left out. This is a really easy way to introduce the concept of modeling. Also, it's okay if the student models aren't perfect. The intention behind the science and engineering practices is that students are revising things as they get more information. So the first time that a student creates a model, it's potentially going to be like totally wrong because they're just showing you their current understanding of a phenomenon. And then as you introduce more activities, there's their understanding of the content is going to get a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. So they should revise that model until they really have a clearer understanding and they can use it to explain the phenomenon. So I kind of think about this as like when you're focusing a microscope, that when you put your slide under a microscope, it's very blurry and you can't make anything out. But the more time that you spend focusing the microscope, the better the image is. And that's kind of how students are understanding this content knowledge. Okay. I think number five is going to maybe get me in trouble, but I'm going to say something controversial. Um, sorry, my dog, <laughs> Daisy, that's gross. Um, so number five is you can kind of ignore the performance expectations. So the performance expectations are three-dimensional statements because they include the science and engineering practices, disciplinary core ideas, and cross-cutting concepts into a single statement. However, they're not as important as people think that they are because they really are only stating how students are supposed to be assessed at the end of their grade band. So at the end of second grade and at the end of fifth grade. But they kind of give you the impression that you have to use these this specific science and engineering practice and disciplinary core idea and cross-cutting concept together. And that's totally not the case. It's definitely not intended for you to use these three dimensions in such a prescribed manner. 
In other words, you can use any combination of the science and engineering practices, disciplinary core ideas, and cross-cutting concepts in your lessons. This structure provides enormous freedom when you're ready for it. In the beginning, you might follow the performance expectation. And if the performance expectation says that you are going to make a connection to cause and effect relationships, which is the cross-cutting concept, then you'll probably just focus on that. But when you're ready, you can really bring in any cross-cutting concept at any time. So what I would do in structuring my class is I would introduce a single cross-cutting concept at a time and focus on that pretty heavily for a little while until my students totally understood that and were able to see the connections across science concepts. And then I would introduce another one and bring in a science and engineering practice and just kind of do things that flowed a little bit more naturally rather than doing things in such a constrained manner. Okay, so let me recap, and I'm gonna talk about this in action steps. So the first one is to start bringing in those cross-cutting concepts. Second, stop front-loading your vocabulary. Third, Start making connections to the Common Core standards in order to make more time for science. Number four, start bringing in those science and engineering practices. Number five, stop thinking about those performance expectations and do things a little bit more fluidly in your classroom. So this is the order that I would start implementing things in if I had this to do all over again. It allows you to baby step your way into the NGSS without feeling totally overwhelmed. Now, you're gonna notice that I left something out that's really big. I haven't talked about phenomena at all. And phenomena is one of the biggest, most important things in the NGSS because it's basically why we do science. We look the world around us and we go, what's going on there and we investigate it. It also helps make connections to your students' lives and that's so important. When I started doing NGSS work, I wanted to jump in and revamp everything that I was doing all at once and focus on phenomena. But in hindsight, I realized that this was kind of like the glue that held all of these little pieces together. So what I would suggest is not to ignore phenomena, but to kind of keep it in the back of your brain for now. There are two different types of phenomena which we've discussed on this podcast. The first one is investigative level phenomena. And my guess is that if you are doing these things in your classroom, that you'll start incorporating that investigative level phenomena pretty easily. Most of the teachers that I've observed do this kind of without thinking. So if you are looking at the water cycle, you maybe will like, I don't know, there's an, an investigation where you put um, a plastic bag full of water on a window and observe what happens. This is an investigative level phenomenon. So I didn't explicitly say it, but I think those pieces are just going to start coming to you naturally. The second type of phenomena is anchoring phenomena. And that's a lot more complex because it ties your entire unit together. Students will spend an entire unit making sense of a single phenomenon. And they'll be using those practices to make sense of it. And they'll be 
using those cross-cutting concepts to make connections and all of these things that are really difficult to think about when you don't have a deep understanding of the science and engineering practices and cross-cutting concepts. So I would suggest focusing on these little pieces first and then going back and finding anchoring phenomenon and restructuring your units from there. I think that this is a really, really big task. It's an important task and it's probably the most important piece, um, but it's really difficult to do before you have some NGSS experience. And I think some people might disagree with me, but from what I've seen, people who start with anchoring phenomena and try to build their lessons really get overwhelmed and kind of stuck in the weeds and can't move on from there. So that's why I suggest doing these little baby pieces first, just dipping your toe into the NGSS water. When you're ready, Nicole has a lot of resources to support you. Um, she is really the phenomena queen. <laughs> but I really like to support people when they're in these beginning stages. And I want to make it simple so that you don't get overwhelmed and you keep going. Um, we have a lot to do. And I don't want to make your life harder than it has to be. So I hope that this helps. Um, I would love to hear your feedback. If you think that this is a good order, if this makes sense to you. Um, let me know. You can always DM me at Sadler Science at Instagram. Um, I am also on Facebook and you can email me at Erin at SadlerScience.com or submit a question um, at TeachingScienceIn3D.com slash questions. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3dplanner.